Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Well, we are going to talk about a problem we've all seen and often look away from today, addiction. There are so many reasons people are overwhelmed by addiction, but we aren't really going to focus on that today. Rather, we're going to talk about a unique way to overcome addiction. Joining me today are Gina Haynes, the Executive Director of Recovery Beyond and the Program Manager of Recovery Beyond. Nate Blanting, Gina and Nate, welcome. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for having us, yeah, Gary. Thanks for having us. I'm glad to have you. I heard about Recover Beyond. I said, this if it's not un- totally unique, it's unique enough that people got to hear more about it. So uh, let's start with some basics right there. We're talking about addiction, recovery beyond. The name recovery is in there. So you're a rec- addiction recovery program, right? So yeah, a little different, though. You don't just bring people into a hospital setting and treat them for six weeks and cut them loose, right? Uh, no, we do not. <laughs> yeah, Recovery Beyond um, is a healthy lifestyle uh, program for a long-term recovery. We partner with inpatient treatment programs and bring people to the outdoors uh, through physical fitness, hiking, backpacking, mountain climbing, uh, with a wraparound community of support and mentors for people's long-term recovery. It's a unique niche, um, but we found a lot of success um, over the last few years of doing this with folks in our community. Yeah, how long have you been around? It's relatively new, isn't it? We started actually experimenting with this treatment protocol in uh, 2011. So um, it has been around for a while, but it's been very quiet. And um, as we've grown, what we have done more research and looking into is what really makes the program work. And as Nate mentioned, the inpatient uh, treatment is the sort of the first leg of the stool, if you will. And then the healthy lifestyle, the exercise, the really getting out within nature is a very, very key component that really helps people um, overcome kind of that dependency on what they were getting from the drugs or alcohol. And then that third component of actually having us that supportive community sort of replaces what they were finding in that drug culture lifestyle. So that's what we consider is really the sort of um, crowning glory, if you will, that keeps them from sliding back and that whole relapse. And yeah. that's why we're seeing the over 85% sustained recovery. Well, I'm glad you said that right up front because uh, that's a big part of this is success and what that means. Um, but before we get a little too far, so it's just Seattle area, King County, all of Washington. where Right now we are at Seattle Union Gospel Mission. That was our first location. And we also are at Tacoma Rescue Mission. We would love to be in more places, but um, we are totally donation-driven, and so it's all dependent on how much funding you know we can find uh, to be able to support more locations. We're also looking at other ways that we could um, you know partner with other treatment facilities and have uh, ways of supporting that in an other environments. But right now, it's totally just based on the donors that we can find. And the people in your program, they come from Seattle. Union Gospel Mission and Tacoma Rescue Mission, that's that's kind of where you the people find you and you find them? Yeah, so we have folks that are in their year-long addiction recovery programming um, in an inpatient facility, and those folks are we label as program participants, so folks that are signing up and we're coming into their facility bringing fitness and hiking uh, right to their doorstep. And then we have a whole lot of other folks that are just in the community that are volunteers um, with us that may or may not be an addiction recovery themselves, um, but volunteer, they may come out and help for, with a hike or lead a hike or help uh, as a physical fitness trainer. Um, and so there's a whole host of folks from the Tacoma and Seattle area. 
Yeah. So, okay, now let's talk about some of those nuts and bolts. So we've, mm-hmm. we've teased the audience a little bit enough of physical fitness, hiking, backpacking, but sometimes you get to the top of one of these giant mountains around here, right, mm-hmm. with your groups. Right. Um, <laughs> Nate does a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, so recovery beyond, that's the beyond part, right? I mean, yeah, recovery right. is in the name, but so is beyond. So let's talk about beyond. Um, yeah. Okay, I can start with a totally from scratch question. Someone is in a recovery program, they've been going to a mission, they want to get clean, and you come in and say, not only can I help you get clean, there's a way to do this that's different, and I'm going to guarantee that you're going to love this. I mean, <laughs> and then you say, we're going to climb, I don't know, Mount Rainier, mm-hmm. uh, and they say, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or do they? What, 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 tell yeah, us about oh, how that whole thing starts. So absolutely. You, to, to talking, yeah. uh, going from a typical traditional recovery program to introducing someone to what Recovery Beyond is. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, one um, one thing that is so true of folks that are choosing to be an inpatient program to begin with, 12-month program, is that they've put their entire life on hold to, you know, overcome this addiction. And they're, they're putting the time, they're stopping their work and their relationships, they're moving into a place. And so what I find is that folks that are coming, in, who, who I'm meeting are folks that have really decided, I'm going to give everything I have to my recovery. And so when I come into the door and I say, hey, also, have you considered your health? Have you considered putting a challenge in front of you that is something you think is impossible but that you can overcome and can be a supplement to your recovery? Um, That could be mountain climbing for them. That could be hiking or a fitness goal. Um, And we've got a host of recovery folks that want to walk alongside you, typically people get pretty excited about that because that's not the norm. Usually they're coming in, they're going to do classes, they're going to have, you know, some work therapy, and they're going to get integrated back into society after a year. But having this other option in addition to their recovery programming gets them pretty pretty excited. Um, and I think one thing that's true, too, is learning how to, how, how to have fun in a new way, you know, can be difficult. And so this typically becomes a new hobby and a new form of joy in their life, replacing maybe some of those old habits that were those addictive habits in their life. And um, this can become a really healthy alternative for them. That's one thing about addiction that people don't often talk about is the isolation. And most people have lost the ability to communicate. They've lost their friends and family. You know, granted, they've got sort of a new subculture, but it's not one that's uh, f- bound in forming friendships and doing positive things in life. Um, so by doing what we're doing, and especially by our volunteers and that community that's forming there, they get a chance to practice those communication skills and to really start bonding in new friendships. And so by our outdoor activities and the different events that we have, you know, that's a good way for them to sort of relearn those skills and to become the people that they were meant to be. And this, because it's over the course of a year, you know, they get a lot of practice at that. And that becomes huge in their transformation at figuring out who they are and what their life is is really capable of becoming. So they really can become different per- people during this program. Yeah. Um. So one, I'm, I'm asking now about that first maybe hurdle, though, to get them to trust that this is this is new. This is going to work because you can talk mm-hmm. about how, the joy you'll get. You can talk about the the camaraderie you might get, a new community out of this. But how do they? How does someone who has been living in isolation and, and say, "Okay, I'll put my toe in the water for this"? Is that the first big hurdle to say, "Come on, join," or do you sort of 
present, we're going out already, just follow along. Some of us are already doing this. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a soft, finding a soft landing can yeah. be difficult, right? It's because yeah. it's new for them. Um, I think I try to do my best job giving them all the information they, they need, but then also say, you know, some stuff in recovery, it's, it is like, you know, taking a step into the unknown. And, um, and you know, not everybody, this is going to be for them. Not everybody wants to get outdoors or they want to, you know, join physical, a physical fitness program or something like that. Um, but I, but I also offer just, Hey, give it a try. This is not, you don't have to make a commitment today. You can sign up, come out, let's reassess, you know, a week or two in and, um, that gives them a little bit more of a, of a soft landing. And I, what I find is that people usually come in with a lot of apprehension and anxiety, which of course, and after they do this, they're like, wow, I didn't think I could do this. And I did it. And I'm really proud mm-hmm. of myself. And that only grows as they do more and more. Uh, they continue to do things they just didn't expect that they could do. Uh-huh. And that reinforces for them. Wow. Look at, look at me. Look at, and then maybe a year later, they're like, man, I never thought, uh, I could I could do these things. So they don't, I mean, they start out trusting you, but then it sounds like they end up trusting themselves. I can do more than I thought. Trust is a huge piece of this. And for the most part, they trust nobody because trust has been broken in so many places in their life. And that's one of the major things they have to get over. They have to, you know, really look at why they don't trust. And one, there's a famous story about one person in the program who that was a big hurdle early on is I've never had anybody give me anything that didn't want to take something from me. And that was their big aha in coming into this program is you people were giving me things. You were giving me clothes. You were giving me equipment. You were giving me experiences and you never asked for anything. And that was like the big aha. And um, we had a, a young woman who um, was in the program, I don't know, a couple years ago. And um, I can still remember meeting her right before um, one of the climbs, one of the big climbs. And, and then I saw her about a year and a half later. I couldn't believe it was the same person, just the difference in terms of just going through that experience. I mean, she, it was just amazingly different. She was beautiful. And, uh, the confidence that she gained, the trust that she now had, I mean, she really became a spokesperson for us in that, you know, she just grew so amazingly out of the experience. It was wonderful to see. Mm -hmm. The, uh, okay. So this is a year People are in a year-long program, but you can't say, okay, come out and just try it. We're going to climb Mount Rainier. I mean, no. you, gotta, you have to get in shape, or if you've never, yeah. even if you've taken a weekend hike, that's different than, how do you, so this is a long program, right? Correct, do they, yeah. After they decide, yeah, I want to try this, then is there a, what, I mean, yeah. give us that program. Yeah, uh, so the, it must be kind of intense, right, or intensive. Yeah, if, they, if they're interested in joining our, our uh, mountaineering or backpacking programs, there is a it's a five month program cutoff uh, where you you know day one they're starting on a pretty easy hike and they're attending physical fitness programming weekly three times a week um, and and going on these conditioning hikes leading up to some snow school education and then finally some big climbs in the final month and a half of those five months so there's a huge lead up uh, and requirements for them to 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 meet for them to be able to be ready to give some of these big mountains a shot. Um, and you know, but we, we also offer fit weekly fitness and monthly hikes for folks that just, Hey, that's all I want to do. I'm going to just, I want to test this out maybe for a year and then maybe I'll consider the mountaineering. I'm not ready for that. And that's fine. You know, they find a lot of great things out of those, those programs as well. Um, yeah, we actually have a, a mountain climb coming up, uh, next week on Mount Baker and, um, we just had a briefing, 
um, yesterday. And that briefing, we look just looking back over the last six months as we kind of reflected. And it's like, my goodness, like this has been a lot of work. And I'm really nervous about this climb, but I'm really proud of the commitment, the time I put in, doing this with you guys, like hearing those kinds of you know, sentiments from the group was pretty neat. So um, you're about to culminate a climb. This has been a group in training for, would you say, six months? Yeah, How many people are, months, are in this? Is it the same core of people? that Do they meet and train at the same time together? Are they uh, becoming a community, a family? Uh, yeah. Because so what's that like? Exactly. They, they work out um, depending on um, – so the fitness is a little bit more spread out. So they'll see each other, you know, weekly if they're in the same fitness group. But otherwise, they're going to be seeing each other on those conditioning hikes. And uh, and they do become this little niche family over time. And, um, yeah, we've got a group, a group of a team of 12 going up on Mount Baker next week um, that's been training and uh, doing this as part of their recovery. And do they know – they didn't know each other beforehand? They did not, no. They're, they were strangers pretty much six months ago. So, yeah. Now, how about – so now you've been doing this for several years, been – yeah. been groups like this then for plenty of plenty of that what's the is there an after do these people <laughs> i mean uh you know what i mean <laughs> i don't know what, yeah. I, what happens very after about that question yeah. Yeah. Uh, gina but the, what's, is there a follow-up these people once you grow close like that yeah. with somebody that you're committed with not only your body but your spirit is together too well, yeah do they want to stick together well it's interesting somehow? you should ask that because for a couple of years they have been asking for you know i i kind of feel like i want the next step and we've struggled with that because um you know the requirements for climbing some of these big mountains are you have to have a pretty small team because of the park service only lets so many people go up at a time and so we just really didn't have a n- big enough nucleus to have a large alumni sort of program and, um, you know, we're a pretty small organization, so, you know, with the limited funds we have, there were just some uh, constraints that we just couldn't quite put the right thing together. But now we've gotten to the point where as we look at our volunteer community and this whole issue around having a sober community, we're in the process right now of developing what we're going to launch is calling our Climbing Up community so that people that go through the program and graduate and then also the volunteers that are part of the mentoring community would be part of that climbing up community so that as a larger group we'll have more of an opportunity to have ongoing whether it's outdoor activities or whether it's have having some sort of um, life skill development that continues because what we're noticing is that not only do they need the camaraderie of, you know, these events and things that can bring people together, but they also need some of the social networking that we really haven't done much of before other than, you know, like the celebratory things at the Mm -hmm. end of the year, like graduation. But they need some places where they can, you know, network and meet each other. But uh, many of them have, you know, like left school early, and they need to catch up on some life skills like, you know, just doing your own financial management, doing a checkbook, um, being able to, you know, learn some skills that will help you get and keep a better job. And so we're looking at ways, can we offer or at least partner with entities that can help them gain those skills to be more employable or, you know, find better housing and that sort of stuff. So that's what we think that this program will actually help be that next step and so that's what we're working on right now is how would that look? How would we be able to sustain it financially and actually make sure that when people end their year-long um, treatment program, 
that's what they could move into. Yeah. And we are talking this morning about Recovery Beyond with Gina Haynes and Nate Lanting. Recovery Beyond believes that recovery from addiction requires solutions that go beyond the norm. And there we are, Recovery Beyond. Um, and you're talking about sustaining sobriety. Uh, and yeah, that because you, you aren't just you don't just wake up and are sober at the end of one year. You have to live that every day. From what I know about addiction right. recovery, um, and addiction, it's not just that you've had some bad habits in the past. I don't know if you want to talk about how people you know end up addicted or not. Or, or there's a variety of ways, but uh, it is a problem in our society, and we've got to figure out something. Right. right. Well, it's interesting um, that you should bring that up because there have been some um, articles recently that basically say that addiction uh, in the medical world has kind of been about 100 years behind in research <laughs> from a lot of the other medical things. <laughs> I can believe it. Um, because, you know, they just haven't been all that interested in it. And some people could say, well, some of the drug companies have actually been sort of helping it become a problem. So, you know, maybe it's not the best thing people want to look at. Um, I think I actually am starting to believe that Addiction might be a lot like diabetes in a way. I think there might be a real physical cause. There might be something in the genes because you see it run in families. And um, you, so maybe there is some triggers that some people have. And if the right combination happens that set those off, people are more prone to either become an alcoholic and stay an alcoholic or start down the path of drugs. And then it just becomes very hard for them um, to get off that. And I, I want to use as an example um, Jose and Cisco, who's actually uh, one of our key volunteers who's riding in the Seattle to Portland to raise money for us this weekend. On the bike race. On the bike race. He made this analogy in an article that's actually posted on our website, recoverybp.org. So I'd invite people to read the whole article. It's a oh, say wonderful... say that again, though. They just got their pencils. Okay, recoverybp.org. <laughs> yeah. And it's an article about um, Jose and Cisco, and he says... Um, People in recovery uh, need to understand that this is part of a disease. It's in their genetics. His mom, his uncles, his cousins all have addictions. He states, I can only speak for myself. The disease is there. I have a choice, though. He motions to a glass of water in front of him. If I choose to pick up that glass of water and put it to my mouth, that's a choice. The moment the water enters my mouth, that's where the disease kicks in. And that's where he sees the difference between choice and disease. Addiction is medical, psychological, social, and an individual issue. It's not fairly, or it's not easily fixable. People need people because we're social creatures and we need positive reinforcement. No one teaches us that and it must be learned. Those with addictions are very emotional people. If they're ready for help at 1257, and no one shows up until one, then they're already using. By creating a community, you put a person in a place where that window of opportunity is just now a little bit bigger. And I think that really says a lot. And that's, I think, what we're trying to do is make sure that that community not only understands that, but there is there to help people and also to help people understand that, you know, maybe that addiction isn't just a matter of poor judgment or, you know, bad behavior. 
there is something underlying, and that's where we, if we had enough money, would love to help sponsor some research to really look into some of these medical issues. And you've heard about drugs like Suboxone and some of these others, like that Seattle uh, is dying piece, um, looked at a place, you know, I think Rhode Island, where they actually were using some of the drugs in their prison system to help people get through the addictive part mm. of their drug use. Those are the kinds of things that as a society, you know, we should be doing much better at because we do need to help people. I mean, if you're if you're a diabetic, insulin's important to you, right? <laughs> if you have bad eyesight, getting a good prescription lens you know, helps you be functional, right? right? So why are we not doing the same thing for folks that may have the same level, you know, of a problem with addiction rather yeah. than just kind of, oh, well, they're just, you know, making poor choices. Yeah. And and I'm so glad, Gina, that you're here to, to talk about uh, addiction and sobriety and and that your group uh, is offering such a, a unique way to get through it for some people. And it seems a lot. Let's talk about that success rate because that's what's important because these are one-at-a-time answers and these are one, individuals, right? So you guys can boast a little bit, right, about the success. Well, how do you measure success? Uh, I suppose there's two ways. One is, yeah, I made it to the summit uh, if you're climbing a mountain. But really, it's the sobriety, right? Yeah. So I, one of the ways that we track our success is through people's sobriety right after two years. Are they staying sober or, and, and are they still connected in the community? Like Those are the things we're tracking. Uh, and we're continuing to, to work and develop on our metric tracking on a, on a qualitative and quantitative level as we're going to 20, 2020, um, because that's just important to, to know how are our people doing from start to middle, to finish, to are they sticking in with our community or not? Yeah. And um, yeah, I think our is our current statistic eighty five percent. It's actually right? ninety one, but yeah. I don't really yeah. you know <laughs> push that too far no, because like it starts that. to become unbelievable. Yeah. Um, to Let's a say it's extent. somewhere between eighty five and ninety one, yeah. probably <laughs> yeah. ninety one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But to Nate's point, and we're also looking at um, things around you know other metrics like holding and keeping a job, having stable living having access to health care, you know, that so that all of those key metrics that says somebody is on the path to being self-sustaining, yeah. those are the things that we think are important. Because really when it comes down to it, there is no standard metric definition for measuring somebody's uh, sobriety. There really isn't. Huh. Well, we're talking about Recovery Beyond today online, recoverybp.org, and the .org, you are a nonprofit. Correct. This, do you do this free? I mean, do you, I mean, climbing equipment, fitness equipment, backpacks, tennis shoes, hiking boots, uh, snowshoes, I don't know, pitons. Food, transportation. <laughs> uh, so what, what does this cost? This is volunteer? What, I mean, how do you run this? Is there a giant paid staff of mountain climbers? I mean... Let's talk about uh, you. I'm giving you the softball shout out yeah, yeah, for yeah. donations and volunteers, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, w the way we we can operate our our organization is through donations, financial gifts. There's no doubt about that. Like most organ nonprofit organizations, uh, we also have a lot of folks, uh, organizations, and individuals that uh, give in kind gifts, uh, donations of gear, like you're talking about. And then we have a, a, a large volunteer crew that offers their expertise. Maybe they're a mountain guide or have mountaineering experience or they're a fitness instructor. And they're offering their expertise and their volunteer hours to us to help us operate our program. Our program primarily is a volunteer run and led organization programming. So 
giant um, need? Yeah. If you were going to say, here's a couple of needs we have. Is it yeah. volunteers to be that specialized volunteer? Is it donations of actual cash? Is it time? Is it you want to expand? You want to have another uh, tie-in with another uh, mission or, or drug we, treatment facility? We actually have an investment drive going on right now. So I would love it if people would uh, write to us and ask to read our business case because we want investors to help uh, us grow. And we would... If we got enough funds, because we do provide everything for the program participants for free at this point, um, one of the things we're trying to fund is a project to help us be um, insurance reimbursable, which would then allow us to have a fee-for-service model, and that would allow us to partner with other treatment providers ah. that can, you know, because, I mean, right now our um, ins- uh, Affordable Care Act does require people to pay for um, addiction treatment. So we could indeed have a, a model where we could pay, uh, get paid for the services we provide. But in order to be in that, you have to have right, the right insurance billable codes. That requires us to hire a consultant to get us into that system, which is not necessarily cheap, but it's doable. So we need some funding to do that. And then we really don't have too much trouble finding volunteers. There's a lot of people in this area that love the outdoors. Not surprising, right? That's why a lot of us are here. Exactly. And (laughs) over 40% of our volunteers have had some experience with some kind of substance abuse. So that sober community I mentioned seems to gravitate toward us. And a number of people already have a lot of the certifications that are needed to lead Um, our outdoor events. So that's all great. Um, Certainly we wouldn't turn any away because we could certainly use people that would love to help fundraise for us. That's probably our number one Mm -hmm. need. Um, As far as uh, Nate mentioned, the in-kind donations, you know, we're very, very grateful for any of the uh, corporate donors that we can get. And we could certainly use corporate sponsors who would want to give us either um, their, you know, gifts and kinds or just even some fundraising. We're also looking for a couple corporate sponsors that may want to do a pilot with us in terms of their employees and part of this insurance reimbursable project because we know that employees and their dependents as far as addiction recovery is a key problem and a high cost element for their um, benefits programs. Hmm. So uh, we're talking to a couple right now about potentially doing a pilot to see if putting our services along with what they might get from one of their insurance carriers today might improve the outcomes for the people that they're supporting. So that's one. And then um, another big one for us um, would just be um, we're actually looking for some additional board members that might be willing to help um, work with us, especially in terms of the fundraising, because that's one of our big concerns. It's a pretty heavy lift for us to pay for everything that we've paid for up to this point. Um, you know, because as we mentioned, it's not only all the gear, it's the food when people are out on these events, sure. it's the transportation. And, you know, they we do a lot kind of over and above too, because like, you know, these fundraising things like the STP, there's registration and stuff like that that kind of gets paid for. So, you know, if anybody could, you know, just even go to our website and help 
sponsor these two bikers so, that Jose we've got going. And who else did you say? And Jason. They're in the yep. STP. They're STP one of those guys that you can click on <laughs> yep. the STP and donate to them. Yep. A great yeah, idea. Read their story, read yeah. about them. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're, we're just about out of time now. I want to make sure people hear recoverybp.org again for all those things you've been talking about, Gina. Ways to help, ways to opportunities. Uh, they can reach you online uh, on the internet, recoverybp.org. Is there something we left out here about Recovery Beyond or something you want to say twice before we have to wrap this up? I think the only thing I would like to say is I don't think there's a family among us that hasn't been touched in some way by addiction, um, alcoholism, whatever. The thing I think we need to remember is that we're pretty powerless with helping somebody in our own family sometimes, but we're actually pretty powerful helping somebody else in somebody else's family. So if you think about it that way, even though you might feel like you can't do anything, you really can. And whether it's giving of your time, giving of some equipment you might have, giving of a spare room for somebody that needs a place to stay while they're trying to recover, or giving some money to a program that could work, those are all very powerful things that you can do to help a situation that we all know has gotten pretty out of hand. And I think if we really looked at it, this is probably our biggest national crisis right now because we're losing a whole generation of yeah, people. Yeah, that's awesome. And every one of those is an individual that yeah. adds up to that generation. Thank yeah. you guys so much for being here. I really appreciated the time. We've been talking today with Nate Lanting, the program manager, and Gina Haynes, the executive director of Recovery Beyond. Nate and Gina, thank you guys so much for coming in today. And a bigger thanks for all that Recovery Beyond is doing to present recovery participants with the ability to rise to new heights Literally, right? That's On right. top of that That's mountain. Right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. If you'd like to hear this interview again, it will be available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts within a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.